The sand in this hourglass is rapidly running down. And while there is still time, let's help the unfortunate victims of muscular dystrophy. Please volunteer to call on your neighbors and ask them to contribute to the march on muscular dystrophy. To volunteer, send your name and address to me, Jerry Lewis, Post Office Box 950, Hollywood 28, California. Thank you. Joe, uh, from FNH, I told you about our douchebag, I don't say friend, but the douchebag, Nick, who skates with them. Yes, Joe. He's had a rough week. I guess he came... How home. rough was it? Well, he came home, and his girlfriend had packed all her bags and was, like, you know, loading it into, you know, a cab. And he's like, where are you going? What's going on? And she told him, I was like, my mom says I can't, I can't live with you anymore. He's like, why not? Well, my mom says you're a pedophile. And he said... Well, that's a big work for an eleven-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so did he have sex? Rape, with... raping children. Yeah, funny. is that funny? Oh, okay. it's hilarious. <laughs> Hi, this is Joe, and this is Jacques, and you're listening, unfortunately, <laughs> to Carnival Personnel. Uh, so, again, this is one of those uh, weeks is where we're recording on a Saturday, and late late Thursday night, early Friday morning, we kind of had formulated the things we were going to. Uh, Talk about, yuck about, mock, and uh, we, we sent the set list, for lack of a better word, uh, completely completely out the window. Like, you know, it, we were going to talk about, like, the eclipse. That yep. was going to be a big thing. Yep. About, uh, you know, uh, Trump looking directly at the sun. Right. Uh, he's <laughs> very presidential. You know, I mean, he's not taking shit from anybody, not even the sun. Yeah, fuck the sun. Uh, then we were going to talk about, you know, this week and um, awful with the Patriots, as it turns out that Robert Kraft decided he was going to give Trump a Super Bowl ring, a Super Bowl 51 ring. Right. And, and that has, you know, my... Uh, Feathers in an uproar, so to speak. But yeah, that's now uh, on the back burner as uh, we find out Julian Elman is gone for the season. So, <sighs> yeah. Why do they play preseason football? I don't, I literally, and, but that's the thing. You got to get ready. You know, football players play football and you have to get ready. And it's a, one of those, and we'll get into it more, but it was one of those non contact, just running, made a cut one way, made a cut the other way. His leg decided to not make the second cut. And there you have, but seriously, and then, and then you know the awful, which we'll get into yesterday. Yesterday, one of the worst days I can possibly remember for for president, and um, just the the over bigotry and racism, and you know, yeah, to pass that sort of legislation. Under a hurricane. Right. There, there's a federal emergency happening in one part of the country. All eyes are on that storm. You know, hopefully nobody got seriously injured during that storm. I haven't checked on the news yet. But, you know, you would think that the president would be all hands on deck to prepare for FEMA, for uh, emergency management over there. He did send out a couple tweets, so don't forget oh, that. Oh, yeah. Right. So right. he's on top. But then he came through with, he followed through with... One of his bigger tweets of the, of the past couple of months, which was the transgender ban. He signed into, I guess, wait, 
how do how does America work again? Is there legislators, or is it just sort of like he signs, you know, like a, a, a piece of paper? Is it, it is it all executive order? Right. Now? It was almost a month. It was almost well, in and, and seriously. And then on top of all this, and we'll get into that. Jerry Lewis dies this week, which you know, ninety one years started performing at five. I mean, and and like we've said with the other comedians that have died and other actors this year, died with dates on the book. He was still out performing. At ninety one, um, yeah. Talk about an eclipse, poor Dick Gregory. Right, right. <laughs> and it was it was it twenty four forty eight hours Four. in, in between. Four, well, uh, there was the same. Wow, it was the same day. Wow, yeah, that's right. And we said that before. It was. Um, oh gosh, now I'm trying to think. Okay, Farrah Fawcett died. Fawcett died. Michael Jackson. And died. four hours later, Michael Jackson died. And there was the comedian was saying, "If there's one thing we learned, don't die the same day somebody much more famous than you dies." And yeah. yeah. And so here's Dick Gregory, a, a pioneer, and another absolute who not a lot of people know about nowadays. You know, and a lot of the people from that era have been forgotten for so many reasons. But here's somebody who should be remembered for so many more reasons than just the comedy aspect. All of the activism, yeah. Especially now. Truly. Oh, yeah. Like, he was like a visionary. You know, when you look back, I saw some of the uh, clips of Dick Gregory talking to, you know, Dick Cavern in the 90s uh, about uh, just like how we're... You know, the malnourished doesn't just mean, like, the starving kids in Africa. It also means, like, the fat, balding businessmen in the airport you see who are, like, overeating, you know? Right. So, you know, he was a big advocate about weight loss and and, 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 and diet and, and good health. And also the, the, the civil rights stuff that he did. Which, again, you know, the, the, the comedy aspect that, huge, you know, a huge, huge figure for many years that, you know. So where do we start? <laughs> I don't know. So, you know, all right, let, let's get into it. Let, like, let, let's start with POTUS. You can't go in order or rank them. They're all just equally awful. But we'll start with the trans band. Yeah. Which, a month ago, uh, he tweets out, unbeknownst to Anybody associated with the military whatsoever, unless he's was was conferring with the uh, the captain from um, the, the uh, Captain Crunch cereal box he was eating <laughs> that day. But uh, but there was no military advisors involved in this. There was nothing leading up to it. One day he just wakes up first thing in the morning and says, "You know, no more trans in the military. We're getting rid of all this. We have to focus on the agenda." One, it's like. Five years ago, or six, whenever it went through, the evolution from "don't ask, don't tell" to the point where the military is like proudly serve openly. Yeah, L- like like your services are needed. You- I forget who was president at the time. Yeah, I think it was that uh, non-white guy. That I mean, Trump has no policies or no stance on anything. It's anything that Obama can do day by day. I think he has a tote board. You know, what the black guy did yeah. and how quickly I can undo it. And the trans, you know, the support of the, the whole community in, in the in the army, it's 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 a military, it's all testosterone. It probably there's so many people who inside had to fight very hard for all of these progressions. You don't think of the armed forces as the most progressive unit. I don't say that disparagingly, but that's hey. just, things things probably move slower in the military as far as, you know, evolution of everything as far as that goes. Yeah, like social issues and um, yeah, and, and, and inclusion. Thank you. There's, there's, there's a grown-up word. Well, yeah. that's a big word for an 11-year-old. <laughs> uh, but, but truly, there was nothing leading up to this. And everybody at the Pentagon and the Joint Chiefs were like, 
what the fuck is this? Yeah, like, well, there was nothing leading up to it as far as the military was concerned. Right, right. How how long had this been cooking in the Trump campaign behind closed doors? But with who? Like, e- even people around him had no idea that this was... That this was one of those mornings where everybody is waking up, like, you know, a lot of people were caught off guard, even inside. But the military, you know, reacted in a, the best they could. It's like... A tweet isn't a policy. Right. Well, a tweet isn't a policy, but that's his tactic. You know, he plants the seeds of these notions that he's getting from somewhere because, you know, I honestly don't know if Trump has many convictions uh, of his own. Like I said, I don't think he has almost any. And a lot of it is obviously Putin pulling some strings, the the people like, you know, the Koch brothers pulling others. But where this comes from, like, which group out there has been festering for the last five or six years, uh, you know, saying all the money – because the military is spending money on procedures and, and medical, you know, things associated with trans and stuff like that, which all reports have it coming out like 0.1% of the budget. It's, we're, we're talking this isn't a big expenditure to help with this kind of stuff or to deal with this stuff internally. So – if there's some like you know fiscal fiscal conservatives out there saying we have to put an end to this to save the military, but you just said you were going to increase the military budget nineteen percent, yeah, of their total trillions of dollars, right? But that's not to pay for transgender, see? Right. It's just honestly, and I know his base, yeah, but like who in his base? It's like who have we've heard in the last five years coming out fighting against this? Uh, I don't know. I mean, is this a, uh, do you know the answer to this I, question? I, 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 no, I've, I've not, it's not rhetorical. I've not heard of people either inside the military fighting against it. I've not heard of groups out. Yes, pe- there's people who don't like transgenders, period, who have a problem with people being transgender, period, who who don't want this. It makes you. Mo- it actually makes you wonder who he's paying back with this. Right. Like, during the campaign, where... Uh, I'm sure a lot of the money came from, you know, Russia. I'm sure a lot of the money came from these, like, dark sources, like these underground, well, and not know, And not even dark sources, open sources. Like, you know, like you know, the, the owner of the Jets, Woody Johnson, he, he's a big Trump supporter, got an ambassadorship right away. Like, yeah. all the people, like the Ben Carsons, yeah. and, and you go down the list, the people who were supportive of him early on got cabinet positions. Yeah, got, got and, Right. Yeah. You, you just go down the list. So, who, yeah, right. Who is he paying back? It's a big question for even bigger people to answer. Well, the, the, the other, you know, one of the other things this week is, and it was great, ABC News was ahead of the curve. And ABC News, the day before or the morning of his big press conference about Afghanistan, had republished all of his anti-involvement in Afghanistan tweets in like the last few years, like going back to like 2011. Yeah. Every time that Trump's like, you know, we're losing too much lives there. This is like on and on. And they're like, just, hey, today when he flip-flops, I want everybody, like ABC News, it's like, here's everything that he's put out. These are his own words type thing. But so they want to add another 3,500 troops. When you think, wow, that's a lot, but then you realize that's about one-fifth of all transgender people actively serving in the military. So mm-hmm. five times the troop surge that you want to have in Afghanistan represents the number of trans in the military. And so his new policy says, we're not going to let any more of these people come in. And for the next six months, he's letting the head of the military figure out what he wants to do with the people in there who are 
actively deployed. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy talk. But like you said, he was using the cover of a natural disaster caused that, and then the other natural disaster, Joe. I forget. <laughs> Damn it. Read uh, the paper that's in front of you. No, I, the part, in, I mean, oh, yes. you know, just less than two weeks that's, after saying. That ain't natural, dude. After, you threw me with that. That's not a natural disaster. It's not, it's, well, that's what I'm saying. He's using the natural disaster to cover for the real, the long lasting disasters. And again, yeah. it's, it's like, like I said, like last week. And, and, and Joe, thank you for tweeting out. Like Joe basically thanked everybody in Boston because last Saturday it was a, 40,000 people, the estimated. Uh, it was a great, peaceful rally. I felt very proud to have brought the sun to it. And then Joe tweeted out this week that a bunch of rallies around the country, based on the success of the show out of the, you know, the people preaching anti-hate, <laughs> preaching, you know, uh, had basically scared off a lot of these rallies. Yeah, there were like 39 protests uh, planned in like 20-something states. And they all got, yeah... Um, we're good. So we'll, we'll keep to the internet. Thanks. So, so, so we'll recap. POTUS comes out as pro-Nazi. A week later, there's a Nazi rally planned in Boston, and Boston says, you know, not in our town, you know, and it was peaceful. So a week after that, Trump has to make sure that his Nazi friends and his racist friends and his bigot friends realize, I still got your back. Don't worry. He pardons Sheriff... Uh, uh, it's a, uh, a, a, Al... Um it rhymes with Scott Bayo. Uh, it's like Al uh, Al Pio. Al Pio. And now here's somebody brought this up, and I, I was talking to a buddy yesterday. If you know a sheriff on the other side of the country, why? It, it's, it's like you know what kind of douchebag media whore sheriff? You know, twenty five hundred miles away, does everybody here know? Why does everybody in the country know Al Because for the last. 30 years, he's been a racist media whore, uh, spreading hate, spreading fear, spreading ignorance, and was convicted of uh, – what, what, what he was actually convicted. I think it was in 2011. He had this basically pull over anybody brown you want, and you can search him for any reason. And the state Supreme Court said, no, you can't do it. And he kept insisting to – you know all the all the people under his watch. Yep, go ahead, keep doing it. So it was completely against the court, a contempt of court um, that he was found guilty of. Yep, um, and then yeah, of course he was pardoned. But what I want to bring up is I I tweeted this, I retweeted this out from John Fugelsang, who retweeted the Phoenix New Times um, thread about Joe Arpaio, and uh, it's a thread that I want to kind of half read now from the New uh, Phoenix New Times. We've been covering Joe Arpaio for more than 20 years. Here's a couple of things you should know about him. He ran a jail that he described as a concentration camp. Prisoners there died at an alarming rate, often without explanation. One of his jailers nearly broke the neck of a paraplegic guy who had the temerity to ask for a catheter. One time, as a publicity stunt, he marched Latino prisoners into a segregated area with electric fencing. He ran an ongoing mugshot of the day contest on the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office website. He arrested New Times reporters for covering him, which they won a $3.75 million settlement. Uh, under him, the uh, Sheriff's Office failed to investigate hundreds of sex abuse cases, many of which involved children. But he somehow found the time and money to send a deputy to, to Hawaii to look for Barack Obama's birth certificate. Oh, and the one time he staged an assassination attempt against himself, that was weird. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, in 2013, a federal judge confirmed what literally everyone in Phoenix knew. He had been racially profiling Latinos. And yes, Jock, 
They use the word literally. Go for it. No, that's not it. <laughs> Try again. Literally, it's a light bulb one. The light bulb. No, that's at the cash register. Light bulb. There we go. <laughs> oh, that'll be fun to edit. Um, so naturally, he hired a private investigator to investigate the judge and his wife. He also kept on profiling people, which he, is why he got charged with contempt of court and was found to be guilty as fuck. And here's the great thing. Trump had a Trump 2020 rally. I mean, and the reason he had a Trump 2020 rally is that way you could keep people from coming in he could absolutely keep keep the crowd you know right it was like a private function almost right and so at that he hints that he's going to pardon him this is people everybody well i didn't know that because he uh the news turned the cameras off right no he he, (laughs) right (laughs) thank you see that see what he did there uh but it's great i mean no it's not great it's absolutely horrible but he's still treating it like a reality show he said I'm not going to pardon him today, but I think Sheriff Joe's going to be okay to to thunderous applause. And again, he's like he's like giving the teaser before like the commercial break to stay tuned to see what awful thing he's going to do. Right. And this is I'm going to pardon part. someone right after the break. <laughs> and, and so, th- really, this is the person. It's not a political prisoner. It's not somebody who is wrongfully convicted. It's not somebody who is a victim of circumstance. It's not. It's not, you know, one of the 200 people who are facing serious jail time for protesting at his inauguration. No, it's a guy who has been 30 years, well, he's 85, he's been probably, let's be honest, probably 76 of those years being a horrible racist bigot person. And this is who you're going to use your first presidential pardon for. And again, the same day you you sign the trans ban is the same day that you pardon Sheriff Joe during a national disaster. Yes. But it did... Slightly before a national disaster. <laughs> it did take focus <laughs> away from him staring directly at the sun right. during the eclipse. <laughs> yeah, that was that was wild and wacky. So there was a couple of... Somebody else... I, I love Twitter. Um, somebody else on Twitter recently tweeted, this is our presidency right now. And it's a picture of... It was a side-by-side picture of Trump staring into the sun and a picture of Pence visiting some plant where there's a big giant vat that with a sign that says, do not touch, with and his hand on it. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's, that's the administration that's running our country. Help, I want to die. And then the, the fun thing is I, I saw a great tweet, a four-panel tweet of, hey, look at the eclipse. And it was a picture of Trump with slowly a picture of Barack Obama covering it. Oh, that was the... Oh, oh, and, and then Trump tweeted one out of the opposite, which, yes. which you see, the darker planet <laughs> blocking out the sun is what this eclipse was. But in Trump's world, he tweets out... I mean, it's like, what president would do that? Uh, honestly. Yeah, and I, and I think the guy that originated that tweet, if you look back into his history, which they did... Uh, he had some um, lovely anti-Semitic things to say about uh, certain reporters. Well, I mean, if, if you're going to be, but at least he kept the anti-Semitic quotes to Jewish people. Yeah, see, <laughs> right, very uh, restraining, uh, restraining. But, but seriously, it's like, and again, it's like we we talked about this last week, and I hate bringing up the same crap, but when Hillary had said he retweeted a guy who had two thousand followers, who had this really. A Nazi, an absolute Nazi yes. during the primary. She's like, you just gave a platform 
to this guy to 25 million people. Right. Somebody who here stand in front of this megaphone, they can reach America and, and the world. And so it's the same thing by tweeting that out. And and honestly, my my favorite my favorite meme, and, and you saw it a thousand times. Don't look up. He looked up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But then, and and again, when, when um, oh, well, I think it was Tucker Carlson comes out and says, oh. "Go ahead." Oh, he said um, that it took a lot of guts. That hasn't been done by a president uh, ever before. That he's the first president with the guts to do something like that. And, and again, it's like I don't remember Tucker Carlson being a, a humorist. Yeah. You know, I, I I think he was just being serious. Absolutely. It's and so. No matter what asinine, horrible thing he does. Now, this brings uh. up another point, Joe. Oh. I can't believe I'm saying this. This is the second time I'm going to say this on the short the short history of our podcast. This is the second time I'm stunned to say, thank you, John McCain, who came out against... Now, granted, I don't know where he stands on the trans ban, but he even said, and this is the senator from Arizona where O'Pile is, John McCain came out and said, no, this is a horrible thing to pardon him. It absolutely, you say you want to be the law and order president, but yet you completely disrespected the law and order in the state of Arizona. He was found guilty in a court. You know, he had his day in court. He had his say in court. And not only was he found guilty of that, he was found guilty originally of, of the racist policies. That's not what he was convicted of. He was convicted of ignoring the order. He, contempt of, being, of court. Of contempt of court. So then he was brought up on contempt charges and found guilty of that. So they found him guilty in 2011 of these horrible policies, but he continued to do it. And even John McCain. Now, granted, it's it, you know that that rally that Trump had. The mayor of Phoenix said, "Please do not come here." We think this is a bad idea. This is just less than two weeks after Charlottesville. Not the best time to have a rally here. Please don't come here. The governor of the state said, please don't come here, who didn't show up at his rally, Republican governor, and both Republican senators. The, the state could not be more red. <laughs> like, yeah. Honestly, it couldn't be more red. But yet the local mayor, the two senators, and the governor all said, it's a bad idea. Please don't come and do it now. So, of course, he went and did it now. But even John McCain, and now again, like a broken clicks right twice a day. So John McCain did the right thing with the health care vote. And he did the right thing by coming out and saying, this is bad. You, you say you want to be law and order president, but you completely disrespected the law. Of, uh, of the nation right here. So I can't believe this is the second time I'm um, I'm thanking John McCain. Now, again, I don't know where he stood up on the trans thing, but and again, him and him and Trump have a checkered past, to say the least. But anyways, so we, cover, we covered, you know, POTUS's week of being a big pile of shit that he is with the trans man, with, you know, this, and with looking directly at the sun during the eclipse. Now, where are the moderates who are supposed to be around him, who are supposed to be, like, being a, a, a progressive voice or being, a, like, that was the whole thing with yeah. and, and then again, and, and, and like we keep saying, okay, nobody's talking. You you had brought up earlier. It's like, nobody's talking about everything else. Like, Betsy DeVos is still out there, you know, doing horrible things. At the same time, Jared still has his security clearance. Jared is still the quote-unquote head of dealing with the Mideast peace thing. As he's now being investigated and his family has gone out and hired like the top um, crisis management PR firms yep. that they've gone out and hired – 
they know he's being investigated on financial fraud charges. They know he's being investigated with the whole Russia, everything, everything to do with the Russia. Why does he still have a security clearance? I mean, at what point does... White privilege. Right, exactly. And then you saw, like, you know... Ivanka tweets out like all these. She she's saying, "Oh, here I mean, reading all my fan mail from all these children." Right, the, all these quote children. They all look like they were written by the same person with their non-dominant hand to make it look like they were written by children. <laughs> I was looking for the like the actual open box of markers, <laughs> like on the yeah, table now, in the uh, picture. Yeah, see, I don't. I, gosh, I don't know why you're negative. I believe they were written by children. I I truly do. But the children in sweatshops where she has her clothes made during their lunch breaks, they were made to write letters to you her. You gotta put down that take because it's too hot. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So. Enough of that, because because honestly, but it is. It's hard to say. Hey, we want to have a funny yuck it up podcast with a couple weeks ago. It was like, are we going to have nuclear war with North Korea? Are, you know, and you you can't keep track of it. But let's 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 talk about what's really important. Julian Edelman, yes, gone for the season. He's gone. And what's horrible is the Patriots were completely loaded. This doesn't railroad. Look, they're still in the shittiest division of football. Uh, uh, my, my, Miami is the only team. It's the only team. I'll say it now. That has a chance of breaking 500. I don't know if they do play 500 football. They do. The Dolphins will play 500 football because they play the Bills twice and they play the Jets twice. And the Jets and the Bills have both openly said. We're playing for the future. They, they've traded away their best players. They're stocking up on draft picks. They are not playing for this season or next season. Both the Jets and the Bills are playing for two to three years down the road. I mean, you look at just the Patriots alone got the best running back off the jet uh, off off the Bills. I'm just eating M and M's while he's talking. <laughs> this is great. And the I can't believe I don't get paid for this. <laughs> Hey, we'll get to the defunct sponsors, though. <laughs> that money will be rolling in. But seriously, it's like the Jets and the Bills have already forfeited the season. Granted, you know, at any given Sunday, the Pats might go 3-1 and one against the Jets and Bills collectively in the four games. So at the bare minimum, the Pats are still going to win 11 or 12 games. But the regular season means absolutely nothing. And when you see what a security blanket Julian Edelman is... And it's just funny to think about that and, and, you know, that how much Brady was dependent for a five, six season on Welker and then, and then Edelman. Edelman is eight catches away from being the third all-time leading catch passer in playoff history. In playoff history, in the 52 years of the Super Bowl, Julian Edelman is eight catches away from being – so obviously he won't have it done this year. And the year that – last time he went down in 2000 – 14 or 15, the Pats were 9-0 and when he got injured, and they end up going 3-4 and the rest of the season and losing the first round of playoffs. So if he's out for the season, <clears throat> uh, so he's he's like, he's not suited yeah. up, like no, he's no, not... ACL. Nothing. ACL. That, that's, that's the best case scenario. He's back practicing in 9 to 10 months. Great. So he, Fantastic. So, so, he'll be, so who steps up? That's the good thing. So the last time he went down, their receiving core was nothing like it is now. So so they have Cook, who essentially was their first-round draft pick. They traded their first-round draft pick to New Orleans for their number one receiver, an absolute stud, probably one of the top – he's definitely in the top ten, maybe the top five receivers in the league. So Cook, you got Hogan, <laughs> who, who I love. And you so we'll got, see more of Matt Hogan this and season. You, and, you got, and you got Amendola, who yeah. can step up more. They, they also they, – they, they have like five really legit – 
legit running back, three of which are pass-catching running backs. Um, they, they got Gronk, so if they can stay healthy, they still go... I'll still say that they go twelve and four. They go thirteen and three. But the big thing isn't that. The big thing is well, how many playoff games did Gronk play last season? Right, exactly. But they, the thing is, they had they had prepared for Gronk not being there. They knew he was going to be out the beginning of the season, and they went out and got Martellus Bennett on a one. Well, thing. now they know that Welker. I mean, no, it's well, Welker. Welker. Edelman will be out. So you know, they got a couple of weeks. But notice. they do. They got they got they got one more preseason game. They got sixteen days, something like that, from him going down. Something. No, they had thirteen days from him. Him going down to week one of the NFL season, and yeah. then so yeah, they 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 do they they still got time. It's just that's Brady's security blanket. Like you're talking forty percent of the passes that Brady throws the last like six years have been to Edelman. Yep. So we, you know when Gronk went down, and, and again it's like you look at the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, gosh, I mean, I was going to say one of the best plays in the Super Bowl, but that catch that Edelman made. That's going to live in, in NFL history. I think that that eclipses like you know so many other great catches in the history of Super Bowl game. The immaculate reception. Yeah. I, I think this that, dwarfs, this is better. This is better because yeah. he he was surrounded by three guys. You yeah. know, right? The fact he was able to contort and get there. Um, but but you know, let's not gloss over um, like the other thing we wanted to talk about. It's been a hard week to be a Patriot fan before this happened. Yes, because uh, we learned that. Robert Kraft decided in uh, in all of his infinite wisdom that, hey, I lost a Super Bowl ring, essentially, to Vladimir Putin, um, a dictator uh, by uh, all accounts. Um, so to make up for that, I'm going to give my newest Super Bowl ring to another dictator from my own country, and, Donald J. Trump. And, and anybody out here, and, and, and the four people who listen to us, like Biff and and Robert, uh, you know that they know the great story about like Putin and, and Robert Kraft over in Russia meets Putin. Putin's like, you know, he's showing off his ring and he's like, oh, let me try it on. Putin puts it on his finger and leaves the room. And then he, he was told, and this was this was during the Bush administration. And the Bush administration people, State Department told uh, Robert Kraft, yeah, that was a gift. No, it wasn't. It was a gift. Yeah. Drop it. And then the Barack Obama people, he had lobbied for them to look. This is a guy who's worth billions and billions and owns the most successful franchise, and he's still worried about getting that ring back. And the State Department over under Obama had come to him and said, "It was a gift." Yeah. No, it was. It was a gift, Robert. Right. <laughs> you know. Wink, wink. <laughs> so yeah. So I I don't know, but it is. It's hard. And and, and it, here's the other thing. It's the fact that it gives credence to people around the country who already hates the Pats to hate us more. And it already gives people it's like, oh, like the Patriots were all for Trump. No. No, they yeah. I mean only the three biggest guys <laughs> on the team are for, are for Trump. And I don't know if they're still for Trump. I know Brady was told by his management, uh, shut the fuck up. Yeah. You know more talking about this. Belichick hasn't mentioned anything, and good. Like, you know, I don't want... Well, it's not like Bill Belichick to uh, be silent on any issue. Right, yeah, exactly. But you, you think of the number of people who didn't show up at the White House. And I'm, I'm guessing, yeah, there are some people in every locker room who are for Trump. It's just the way it is. I'm guessing, let's see, every NFL owner is a white billionaire. I'm guessing a lot of them... If this a-hole can save us 0.1% on taxes this year, that equates to millions of dollars for my family. Uh, I'm guessing most of them are, yeah, you know, pro-Trump. Pro 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 but I'm guessing, um, I don't want to play the race card, but Dante Hightower, uh, you know, who didn't go to the White House, guessing not a big Trump supporter. 
But as a as a Patriot fan, um, yeah, this is a pretty shitty week. It's pretty shitty. Just why? At, uh, at what point, Jacques, do you disavow the New England Patriots? I, you know, it's a it's a really great question. We've been saying with Trump, it's like, okay, he came out pro Nazi this week. Yeah. Who's still on the bandwagon? Um, I don't know. I, I literally, if if this is a, this, that's a really fair question. Um, so fuck you. <laughs> it's a really hard question. It's like to know that, like you said, you you can take away the other fifty two men on the Patriots, and it's still like, and you're doing it with Jules, but you got. You know, Brady, who wasn't a huge out in front, but, you know, the whole hat controversy, you had the letter from Hoodie. It's hard. It's hard to separate. Is, it, do we start a new hashtag, not my team owner? <laughs> yeah, me. You know, and, and honestly, now this is like the second time in a few years that I, I, I've lo- loved a lot of things about the crafts and the way they've run the team and the organization. But when Kraft didn't stand up to Goodell with the whole deflate gate thing, and, and he started to, but then you saw it like in the middle of it, it's like, okay, he agreed to the fine and he agreed to the first round draft pick. This is before the official Brady suspension, and everybody thought, hey, quick pro quo, he's doing this, and that suspension goes away. It's like, hey, that didn't happen. Everybody wanted Kraft to come out hard, like he did when they first got to the Super Bowl 49. The week after this broke, and he was adamant, demanding an apology from Cadell, demanding, you know, retribution for what he had put the team through the week before and stuff like that. That fire and brimstone. But then when he backed off of that, he didn't take him to court. And, and I get it. People thought he was trying to get Brady not suspended. But then you see him yucking it up with Cadell. You know, at some business function, it's like, you motherfucker, this is all just for show. It's like at the end of the day, you know, your team makes you hundreds of millions of dollars a year and just fuck us little guys. So it's it's tough to separate. And this is why, like, I don't want to know anybody in the Pixies political leanings. (laughs) Like, I just don't. Right, because you see Robert Kraft, when he's not being political, when he's being genuine, you think, this guy is such a kind, sweethearted person. He does so much for the uh, New England area. He does so much for the football f- uh, community. He does so much for charitable organization, the Myercraft Foundation. Right. He does so much for this. He does so much for that, which you cannot say about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is just pure fucking bl- like dark matter evil. And again, it's like when 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 Kraft had come out a couple like, you know, a few months ago and said, "Look, I've been friends with Trump forever for 40 plus years they've had a friendship relationship look there's there's only so many like billionaires out there they all they truly all know each other they all run in those circles they, they've had business transactions at one point and and Kraft had said when his wife died Trump called him every single day for a year and it kind of humanized him a bit and, and here's Kraft saying he invited me to things I wouldn't go to or I couldn't go to, but he he made an excuse to call every day that Myra died for an entire year just to see. And I can count the number of people on one hand outside my immediate family who called every day to see. And it's, okay, maybe this is the one good thing Trump's ever done. Maybe he does have a, a human. And you see that, but it's like, no. no oh, I'm shaking my head while you're no. saying this because I don't, I, now I don't buy it. No, no because Donald Trump sees Robert Kraft as as close to an equal as he thinks he is. Like, he doesn't 
extend an olive branch to anybody that he might feel is lesser than Donald Trump. Right. Do you know what I mean? So Don, it's a, it, this is sort of a parallel move. Like he sees Robert Kraft as another kind of, uh, you know, enterprising, you know, man, successful, multi-millionaire. Um, if not billionaire, I don't know what is. I don't think the crafts in the billionaire aspect. Oh, now. you have to. You can't be to not in own an NFL team. Okay, I, I mean the, the 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 teams alone, you know, start like the shitty. If you go and buy the Jacksonville Jaguars, the the price tag starts over a billion dollars. Oh, okay, so he's a billionaire. So that's it. I mean, so yeah, one billionaire consoling another billionaire who he has known for decades. Yeah, that's sort of something that I would expect out of Donald Trump. If it happened to anybody else, like if anybody, do you think he's going to console? He didn't even console the, the, the parents of Heather Hare. Right, right. No, that's not true. He tried to call during the funeral. Right. <laughs> like actually called during the funeral. Yeah. I can't believe they drop didn't it take all. my call. Yeah, just drop everything. And again, it's like, yeah, so Joe, I hate the question. It's a fair question. At what point do I say? When do you take I'm, a knee? I'm done. Yeah. And again, you know, that happened this, you know, that happened this week. The Cleveland Browns. So we're not really talking oh, right. NFL. Oh, <laughs> oh snap! Uh, Fourteen players took a knee during the uh, national anthem during their second preseason game. One white dude, and it's funny. His 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 wife is black, and she was and he she was saying, "I'm really thankful about doing it," but at the same time, it's it's kind of legitimized like this movement now. Oh, a white guy's doing it too, and it's yeah. like. Really? Right. It, it, it took a white guy. Right, to, and right. And now, now it's more acceptable a little bit. And, and, and they did. They did a great – I was watching some clips. I was watching a side-by-side of Fox News saying that the Nazis are okay for protesting. How dare these people take a knee during the national anthem? It's okay to protest and scream, Jews won't replace us, while draped in, in Nazi paraphernalia. But a bunch of football players, you know, taking a knee, still. still. I know we're kind of we're talking in circles Enough, right. here. I mean, it's just like yeah, there. What the fuck are we spending our time talking about? Honest to God. And and here's the crazy thing. Oh no, here's the crazy. Now a crazy. Yeah, right, right, right. It's like this week before all that bullshit earlier in the week, he was arguing, calling out Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan to blow up the House and Senate again to force through his tax plan, which, again, everybody has said it, and it's true. I don't think you start talking about tax reform until he releases his taxes, because, of course, any tax reform that he's trying to fit through, fuck the other 400 million Americans. If it it suits him, great, but he he was going to battle with Mitch McConnell, with Paul Ryan. He goes to Arizona and publicly is feuding with John McCain and I forget the the junior senator from uh, from Arizona. So Oh Flake. Flake, thank you. I mean it's like, okay, well there's there's four, you know what I mean? Just yeah. at what point just between Mitch McConnell and two Arizona Republicans, that's three people that you're going out of your way. You know, you you've already told uh, the Republican um the woman in Alaska who voted against health care that you're going to pull funding from her state. It's like how many people does he have to target and go after in his own party before even they say wipe them out, uh, all of them? 
But yeah, I mean, okay, enough of this stuff. You you were talking about like money earlier, so why don't we why don't we crank out one of our uh, defunct sponsors and see if we can uh, may, maybe not uh, Kraft is the only one who can or, or Trump is the only one who can self servingly get things rolling in his favor. Let's see if we can get some cash flow cooking. Money, money, money. On USA Tuesday Night Fights, you can see him coming up, and you can see him going down. And you can see giant killer little Stevie Johnson risk his unblemished record against Canadian Howard Grant for the NABF lightweight belt. TNF on USA Tuesday. And again, a, a big a big shout out to our marketing department. Yeah, it takes uh, countless hours to <laughs> dig up, literally, <laughs> these sponsors. Oh, so, so again, the big fight, Joe. Here, right. here we are, and I don't think anybody could be more excited for the Ali Lyle Alcedo <laughs> fight. Wow! <laughs> Let me go back in the wayback machine for that reference. Uh, yeah, so you know it, it, it is worth the Google. But Muhammad Ali did fight Lyle Alcedo. I believe it was at Dodger Stadium, and honestly, and who was Lyle Alcedo for those of us? Well, uh, Lyle Alcedo was uh, was uh, a football player uh, turned actor, huge, huge steroid user, like a big fan. This is long before like steroids were. Yeah, bad. he was like an eighties, seventies, eighties football player. Very out in front of it, you know, and he, he did, you know, he's he, ferocious football player, you know, one one of the scariest people ever. Uh, then he becomes like an actor ish, you know. Yeah, the, the, oh, yeah, yeah. He was like uh, in a couple of action movies. I think he appeared on Married with Children, you know, that sort he, of thing. He uh, always playing himself, pretty much. Right, uh, an over the top personality. But it was, yeah. the, it was the role he was born to play. And when you look, and we've talked about like you know Hulk Hogan and Rocky Balboa, you know, funny. It was essentially like that. But oh my gosh, it was. It, and, and truly, when you say Ali just toying with somebody, you could have pulled anybody in off the street. And it, it, and they couldn't because apparently <laughs> it, was, it was not a big turnout. Not, not, not a huge thing. No, but 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 you got the, the Mayweather like McGregor fight um, tonight. Uh, Wait, you mean Saturday night? I mean Saturday night. You know what? We're not in any uh, position to talk about this. You know who we should talk to? I don't know. Who should we talk to? Let's talk to us. Tomorrow. So here's... Wait, I, how many DeLoreans do I have on my shelf? One, two, three, four. About 17. So let's just... Let's take the one that's... You know, Are you counting the boxed ones or just the unboxed ones? Unboxed one? ones. Okay. So <laughs> let's let's hop in the biggest one that we can find. Um, that's what she said. Oh, hello! <laughs> hell that means. Let's go. Let's fly to the future um, and um, hear what we have to say 24 hours from now. Ready? And... Wow, what a fight that was. That was an incredible fight. It, it uh, surprised a lot of people. Yeah, 10 rounds. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of it's off to a slow start, which was expected. But, uh, but an interesting, it lived up to more. A lot of people were like, it's going to be done in the first round. Right. I mean, I predicted, uh, you know, we had this little side bet going with Jim right before the fight started. He predicted six rounds. Mayweather, I said five. I thought... More people were saying seven to eight rounds. You didn't chime in. I think you were already drunk at that point. Well, I I, I was worried about the sprained ankle that McGregor allegedly had. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we'll move on. But, uh, yeah, I actually got to see the fight, even though I didn't pay for it. What? How did I do it, you ask? 
No, nah, you know what? Twitter, Twitter can be a wonderful thing sometimes, despite what the president's doing. Wait, wait. Is, you're telling me that the internet is for more than just porn? Yes. Why is this the first time here? I don't know, man. Uh, but what was interesting is, yes, the fight did go 10 rounds. Should it have gone 10 rounds? Well, what are you referring to? I'm referring to the fact that Mayweather was very braggadocious after the fight, talking about the amounts of money he had placed on bets on his behalf, um, the amounts that he had specifically, and he referred to the over-under of the number of rounds the fight had to go. How many? What was the over-under? Nine and a half. (gasps) And if one were to bet the over... It would have to go past the ninth round. Hmm. If it it was knocked out in the ninth round, I think, it would have been like, you know, like a draw type thing. You know, no no one won, no one lost. But the fact that it went ten rounds means it went over right now in all fairness you know hindsight being 2020 obviously he had a huge advantage going into the fight mayweather did over mcgregor who had you know boxed i think what 15 years ago in a in an actual ring right right well he's irish so so at one point or another he boxed (laughs) whether it was in the ring or outside and was drunk right well that goes without saying i can say that an irish drunk is a redundant i'm a drunk right But seriously, so, I mean, hindsight being twenty twenty, you said, yeah, he bet himself to win in the over, allegedly, but he would have to have known that he would have had the stamina to go the whole 10 rounds. Well, but, he, but that's the thing. It's he, that's his claim to fame. So many of his bouts have been won in, in decisions going the distance. Um, he's going the distance. Yeah. He's going for speed. She's like, <laughs> oh no, you <laughs> me singing cake songs again. Uh, but and and again, you know, there's so much plausible deniability where he's known as a defensive boxer. Yep, and he was fighting somebody who there was no tape on, so he came out incredibly slow. In the first round, throwing six punches. Not landing, throwing six punches. The second round, I want to say it was eight or nine punches thrown, and then in the third round, he threw 12 punches. At the same time, McGregor threw almost 30 punches each round. Now, McGregor only landed about a quarter, a third of his punches, where uh, Mayweather landed 50% of his, but still, McGregor landed a lot more punches, but it was Merriweather doing his defensive thing. He also had said before the fight he was going to feel him out, see what he had, and that's his thing. See what, you know, where, again, there's no tape on McGregor boxing, really, that, that he was going to use his defensive skills, which are second to none, see what he has, get his timing, see how hard he really does throw. Again, that's not McGregor's forte. Not that he can't throw a punch, but there's a big difference between being punched by somebody who does nothing but throw punches, being punched by somebody who boxing is part of their repertoire. So the fact that it went long isn't surprising, but the fact that it went just over... Just long enough? The over-under. And and again, McGregor was tiring, and that was part of it. You know, as an MMA fighter who at the max you fight 25 minutes, you fight five five-minute rounds, you know, Merriweather knew the longer it goes, the tired he's going to be. It's one of those things in sports. It's like, you know, you can practice. doesn't matter if it's football, hockey, whatever. Nothing gets you in game shape like game shape. So the yeah. fact that he hasn't been in this situation before McGregor, it didn't surprise anybody that he came out strong, he came out fast. But as the fourth, fifth, sixth round started to go, he was throwing less punches. He was coming on the attack a lot less. And... and 
Mayweather really could come out of the shell and be, you know, more the aggressor. But it's just so much a coincidence. Here he's saying, hey, this is how much I bet. And he didn't say if he bet the over-under. Yep. But he, he did was very specific. Now, the crazy thing is he made $300 million. Yeah, well, you know, parking. But you like, that, <laughs> got to pay true. for parking. But you think about that. Like, so he's saying, you know, he tried to bet six figures. And he said he gave money to a number of people to place bets. One one friend in particular he gave 200000 to who could only bet 60, uh, 86 or 87000 which was a weird, very specific number why he was only allowed to bet that amount. And where he was such a favorite, even if you're betting a hundred grand, if he had won the over/under, he's only winning back his money plus, you know, uh, uh, ten, you know, whatever yeah. thousand, you know. But truly, tr- chump change. Absolutely, at the most, he could make is an extra one or two percent of what he made for for winning the fight. So really, are you, you know, risking like you know? Point shaving, I don't know if that's the right yeah. term. Um, if he did bet the over on the under over and he made the fight go that last, I don't know. I don't know. He was maybe, well, this was his very last fight. He actually sat at the, uh, in the ring. And I don't, I mean, you know, Mayweather's a man of his word, I think. Oh, yeah. When you think, when you think of integrity, integrity you think, <laughs> and honesty, you think POTUS, and you think people from the boxing community. Right. Well, he said flat out, this is my last fight. Well, and he so, came out of retirement to do that. He hasn't the the few things that McGregor had. You know, I don't even want to say going for him, but slightly in his advantage, l- lighter gloves, so he could punch harder, more MMA style gloves than regular boxing gloves. Now, I don't know how much ten ounces versus eight ounces really matters, but the fact that he's been actively fighting and that Mayweather has been retired for two years. Yeah, uh, what do you think it does for the sport of mixed martial arts? You know, I think the fact that it went. 10 rounds if you're a diehard mixed martial arts guy or even a borderline mixed martial arts guy it says it it allows you to say look this is an undefeated boxer this is the best boxer in a generation he's 50 and 0 and our guy who's never boxed went 10 rounds with him so it kind of gives them a chance to say our fighters are great boxers as well. It's not just a ground game or this, that our best can compete with your best. Well, that's true or not, you know, we, we might see more of these. But at the same time, it at least for now, gives them kind of brag-ish rights to say that our fighters can compete with boxers on just a boxing skill. And there's no way a boxer could get into the octagon with us. Yeah. Which, yeah, I don't see that ever happening. But it does legitimize more. Not that UFC needed more legitimization. I mean, they're pretty ingrained. In the- I, I think it makes McGregor look great. I mean, I mean, I do. The fact that he went 10 rounds. Yeah. And again, whether, whether Mayweather could have come out in the first round and, and, and punked him, whether, you know, he could have come out in the 5th, 6th, 7th, or 8th, we don't know. But... The fact that McGregor could make it go. Uh, the funny thing is, it's Mayweather's last, and I think we mentioned we saw Dana. I saw Dana White in an interview a few days ago, and he was asked, "Should McGregor hang it up after this?" I mean, this is a huge payday for him, and Dana White says, "Yeah, it is a big payday." Um, I don't know if he takes the money and rides off into the sunset, but I know there's a lot of money involved. I know there's a few lawyers from our side who helped put the deal together that we haven't seen since oh because my. they made so much money. I mean, this is, they, they, I don't know if the final, final numbers are out, but it, it brought in, 
you know, uh, hundreds. hundreds. A billion. Did it hit Got, a billion? Gotta be. It, I, I, the last number that I heard was 700,000 in pay-per-view things. Unless, I don't know how many people, let's say, got it on Twitter. Right. And then you had uh, 70 million, the estimated... Okay, maybe billions a little bit. It, but no, but it's pretty damn close. I don't know. Like, you know, it did more than 95% of movies are going to do this year. Yeah. I mean, this was an event, too. It, it, was, it was an event. It was an event. I don't think it cheapened either sport. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't... I don't think I don't think it did. I think it sort of lived... Uh, I hate to say it, I think it lived up to the hype. Kind of? As much as it could? Like, aside from, like, going all 12 rounds and then, like, by some weird miracle, McGregor knocks him off his feet. You know, right. at one point, like he was never, he's never been knocked down. Right, right. So um, that would have been the icing on the cake, and also would have given a lot more fuel to the white supremacists out there. Yeah, well, you know <laughs> what I'm saying. So maybe it was a good thing. Are that you that, saying he was the latest great white hope when it comes to? Is that was that what this is? Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, all in all, I guess it was a good fight. Um, but you know what? Somebody mentioned this. Uh, um, I think Bill Burr mentioned this. Is like I don't know who to root for because they're both two shit talkers. Right, right. Well, I, I like McGregor. I mean, I, you I, would. I, I would. <laughs> He's such a prick. He really, he really, really is. Although I did see uh, he was interviewed in the ring afterward. The fight McGregor was about whether or not he would think about doing another fight, and, and he was like, "Well, yeah, hey man, fuck it." Yeah, let's do it. You know, like if anybody wants to uh, challenge or whatever, he was completely open to the so, idea. So we're not huge boxing guys, and I know this fight was in the make. They've been rumoring this boxing match for a long time, and they've been seriously talking about it for over a year. So the fact that it came together, I don't know if this opens a door to a lot of other big. I mean, how about like some of the the, the bigger heavyweight guys in the MMA world when you get these. You know, ex wrestlers turn MMA because some of these guys are just huge monsters. Yeah, but I mean, size matters not. But no, but I'm just saying it'd be interesting to see a heavyweight guy go with a heavyweight. I mean, you know, I don't know, but uh, I think it opens the door to more. Yeah, I mean, but I think that would be a little bit less um, feasible or entertaining, only because the heavier, bigger MMA guys may not have the I don't know the reach or the agility or the the, the stamina or what. What? But here's the biggest question: Is would it would it even come close to garnering half the attention and half the money? Right. Like like who who could who could McGregor fight next that would warrant half the attention? Is there is there anybody in boxing now? I mean, does Manny Pacquiao come out of retirement yeah. to fight him? Right. I, I right. mean, that's the thing. It's they, like, right. That's what like, is the big draw on that side? I don't think there is. Like any. like how many how and again, it's like boxing. You know. It has slipped, obviously, over the last like 20, 30 years, and MMA has only gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Who in the boxing world has as big a name that will come close to drawing half of this? I, I, I don't know. Well, right. You're asking the wrong person, because I don't know who's the, the, the heavyweight guy in right, boxing. Right. This, that's, I mean, how, and how many circuits are there? How many titles are there? How many boxing heavyweights? That's the thing. Yeah. It's like, it's so, Who do you pick? I, I mean, it, truly, I think wrestling is a lot bigger than either boxing or MMA. Yeah. I mean, I mean they, they, do, they do like a WrestleMania. It's always happening. It's a constant. I mean, they're selling out stadiums. Every single week, they're either at Madison Square Garden, New York, Boston Garden, here, or all they they do they fill a stadium somewhere in the country 
in, in what, there's maybe three, four big UFC cards a year. Yep. There's a lot of undercards and smaller fights. But what would come close to, to any of this? But I don't think I don't think either boxing or MMA, the UFC, come out, you know, behind on this. I think it helped both. Yeah. So win win chicken din. <laughs> um hey. What are you doing here? Dude, those are two really great looking guys. Yeah. You want to get on mic? Go ahead. Say hi, Joe. Hey, man, how's it going? Hey, and, and you are? I'm, I'm Jockey Moran. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, this, is, um, this is awkward. Um, I don't know qu- what quite to do in this situation. See, Joe and I got into a DeLorean. Yeah. And we came here to talk about the fight after having seen the fight. We didn't think you clowns would be here. Oh, well then, I mean, well, so wait a minute, you hopped into DeLorean to talk about the fight in the future, but yet you haven't seen the fight? You like you instantly arrived ahead of the fight, so we're talking about the fight to our audience, and, and now I've gone cross-eyed. I don't yeah. know. So wait, uh, the, what, are the, we, what is this? What are we watching? This is now. This is now. This is now. What about then? That was then. This is now. This is a now now. When do we get to later? Not. Not till a little while. Soon? Very. We're close. All Very right. soon. Are we stopped? There. <laughs> <laughs> well, bye, guys. Take it easy. Seriously. The ass on the blonde? <laughs> oh, yeah. Drooping. Man. And wet? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Those guys really know their shit. Yeah. And did you see how svelte they look? Oh, God. We, you know, uh, I do the blonde one. <laughs> right. <laughs> you would. Oh, dude. We should ask for the fucking lottery numbers. What are we stupid? Seriously. You, we, we have a time machine, yeah. and we go to the future to right. talk about a hokey PR stuff. Yeah. Boxing. And those were my last two pellets of plutonium. God damn. So we have to reach out to the Iranians again? Yeah. No, no. The no, Libyans. The Libyans. Yeah. The Libyans. Right. Oh, that was great. Seriously, well worth it. Right. Um, uh, bad news in the future, everybody. Trump's still president. Oh, no. (laughs) 24 hours. Yes. I hate to say it. So what else has got going on, Joe? Let's talk about something that doesn't actually suck. While we're talking about Back to the Future, what do you got going on in the words of Back to the Future besides the the T-shirt, the 1.21 gigawatts? Well, it's gigawatts, but in the movie they're pronounced gigawatts because the creative consultant that they used to find out what they how to pronounce it. Anyways. Um, no, no, people want to know this stuff. Yeah, they, they in the movie one Back to the Future. They didn't know how to pronounce gigawatts. They wrote it, but it was like, is it pronounced gigawatts or gigawatts? And there was a scientist that they consulted with. They said, yeah, it's gigawatts. It's not gigawatts. <laughs> uh, that scientist is now, I think, head of the EPA. <laughs> I don't know. I give up. So anyway, Back to the Future talk. Uh, so I'm involved uh, in a project with. The uh, Arlington Community Media, uh, it's ACME, it's the local public access group. Name dropper. Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> Humble brag. I don't want to brag, but I'm part of a Back to the Future recreation committee. So there's a thing called Crowdsourced Boston, and apparently it's they're sort of like a, kind of like a film consortium, like a, like a local film consortium, where they get groups of filmmakers from the New England area every year to recreate a movie, like an iconic movie. Last year, it was Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Let me break it down even further. So each of these groups 
films one particular scene, and then they edit all the scenes together. Without conferring with each other. Exactly, right. But anyway, Arlington Community uh, Media is also a part of that, and I am part of that crew to uh, film a scene from Back to the Future. I don't know if they're divulging which scene we're... Did, did you sign an NDA? I don't know what I signed. Okay. I think I signed an NSA or a <laughs> UTI or something like that. But anyway, so I'm part of this, and we're recreating a scene from Back to the Future. Uh, so in a couple of weeks, we're submitting it, our edited piece. We just filmed it on Thursday. It went well. Um, we shot it all in one night, but I'll be helping edit that as well. So I'm proud to be part of this, and uh, hopefully we turn out a good project, and then I guess in a, in a couple of months or in a month maybe, you'll see the final project. I think they premiere at some place. Like, uh, I don't know if they like rent out a theater where they show it like, on the big screen, but it, uh, you know, it, it, it'll be uh, worth a Google uh, once it uh, is released. So you've left the basement once this week. Just once. That's good. No. Yeah, and it, just to stare at the sun. And, and that was it. And and uh it, it's great cuz it's a it's a father and son project on your end. Yeah, it, so Connor's helping out with the audio and uh I was assistant director/script supervisor and now I'm doing a little bit of the editing. So yeah, I mean it, there's a lot of talented people. Did you also do craft services? No. No, I did not. Okay. I, unless you mean of... unless you mean bringing literally a box of craft macaroni and cheese. <laughs> No. Oh, that's great. So that'll be fun. And what, what about F&H? You know, I didn't get an F&H update, but I'm guessing, uh, let, let me go down the list anyways. Um, everybody sucked. <laughs> you know, uh, Biff sucked, John sucked, All-Star sucked, you know, Scotty sucked. But no, I didn't. I did not get the update. Um, I remiss. Maybe, maybe we'll. Oh wait, you've used all the plutonium. We can't go right. Yeah, that was it. Again. We're gonna have to wait till the next thunderstorm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so that's awesome. So, so not everything is doom and gloom as far as far as uh, the world goes. While we're, while we're talking about things that don't really suck, uh, let's jump ahead to our either Netflix, Redbox, or. Um, Having a friend borrow something from the internet without what? going through that friend should be persecuted, proper prosecuted channels. to the fullest extent of the law. What are you talking about? Uh, Death of Superman Lives. Yeah, I saw that. Um, that's on Showtime right now. I don't have Showtime, but somehow I was able to see it and give a review of it. Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny all of this. <laughs> but if, if if nobody knows about this, um, which shockingly I did not, and Joe started telling me about it a couple weeks ago, and I had heard, but they had an absolute two hundred million dollar budget. Early 90s, mid 90s. What were we talking about? I think it was like 97, 98. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with Nicolas Cage. Yes. You know, playing, As playing Superman. Superman. Yeah. And, and we're talking, it was in develop. It was beyond development. And who for a few is months. slated to direct this movie? Uh, some nobody named Tim Burton. Oh, right. Uh, who who Warner Brothers had could not stop thanking for bringing the, I mean the Batman. Um, he didn't bring the Batman you know to the big screen. He he relaunched and created an entire, you know... He was the J.J. Abrams of the day. He, he truly was. They had three different writers. Why, why don't you tell a little bit about the, the you know, who, who was your favorite of the three writers? <laughs> Kevin Smith. If if you... He was the first one, I think. Go to YouTube, and you can see Kevin Smith talking about, like, the death of Superman lives. So it's an hour and a half documentary, but Kevin Smith is a third of it, a quarter or a third of it. And surprisingly, Tim Burton is a quarter or a third of it. And really honest about it. And then who's the third component? 
Oh, <laughs> the guy who was a producer who, you know, I don't want to disparage like his career because he, he, he was one of the producers on Batman, the first one with Tim Burton. So yeah. he had a great relationship with Tim Burton. Uh, Jim. Oh, I'm going to have to look it up. But he, uh, and it's funny, he, he started off, well, why don't you tell people how, what his career started off as? Oh, he was like a hairstyler, right? For Barbara Streisand. Right. He was Barbara Streisand's hairstylist all through the 70s. I almost forgot about it until you asked me to define what he did for a living right. before. So. But he did. He did tons of tons of huge movies. But they sunk millions into this. Millions into this. They had, you know, months and months of wardrobe. And, and his suit, they wanted a different kind of suit. John Peters. John Peters, thank you. Um you know, Batman vs. Superman. Basically, this would have taken place after the last year's Batman vs. Superman, where Superman gets killed by Doomsday. They had all these experimental like materials. They brought in like 3M and all these other companies to decide and develop new types of material because they wanted a completely different looking suit. They wanted a Kryptonian suit that he would have been buried in that would have rejuvenated him and brought him back to life. They had brought in all kinds of, you know, prop masters, and they had full-scale models. He, you know, Brainiac was one of the bad guys. I mean, truly. And then it was three, four, four, five months into development that Warner Brothers had a shitty year. I mean, that you you go through the movies that they had that year, and they had loss after loss. After, and, and we're talking hundred million dollar features that brought in twenty million dollars, <throat> and. They they canned it. They they didn't want to roll the dice. They didn't think it was at a place that it was ready to be shot. And that and you think about that. This is Warner Brothers saying, okay, it's been in development for a couple of years. It's been you know we have one of the bigger actors at the time. Nicolas Cage was at the top of his career. You had Tim Burton, who probably. Was he the biggest director at the time? One of the well, three, I mean, him and four. Spielberg, yeah. yeah. So you got Nicolas Cage. You have him. You have the guy who produced Batman. You know, at the top of it, and they pulled it. And it was, you know, I would have liked to have seen it. Um, you know, the 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 Nicolas Cage. It's a long haired Batman. It was completely different take on oh, it. Superman. Superman. Sorry, it was a completely different take on it. It would have been interesting. Completely, completely could not recommend it more. And here's the crazy, one of the other crazy things. They videotaped all the costume fittings and stuff like that. So you're seeing Nicolas Cage and Tim Burton in a, it looks like like some like hotel room type thing with all these costuming people running around in full-length mirrors discussing the outfit and what do you want to change and what you like. But they were having so much fun. Fun doing it. Well, Nicolas Cage has a son named Kal-El. For anybody who doesn't know what a geek I am, uh, Kal-El is uh, Superman, Clark Kent's Kryptonian name. Yes. Cal is his first name, and E-L. You know, he's from the House of L, right. as he's often referred well, to. Well, I mean, they were written by two uh, Jewish writers, like Is Israel is uh, I don't know what that means, but like there there's a there's a Jewish connection to the the L. So all you anti-Semites out there, stop reading Superman comics, right? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, or stop being anti-Semites. <laughs> wait, 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 hey, do that. Hey, wait, let's baby step into it. That's <laughs> you know, that's the other thing. Hey, you guys don't like Mexicans? Stop eating Mexican food. You can't yeah. say we don't want any Mexicans here while eating a burrito. <laughs> that's a special place in hell for you. So I think that took up about twenty minutes. So I'm going to just forego my Netflix pick because I really don't have one, and we'll just jump right into the stupid video game review of the week. Hey, no, no. We will jump into the 
video game review no. of the week, but it is not a random video game random. review of the week. So here's the moment nobody's been waiting for. Shock, except for Shock. Going back to this bit. He's going back to the wall o video games from the 80s and 90s uh, from the Nintendo Entertainment System. He pulled one off the shelf. He's grabbing his phone to make sure that he knows how much it costs on eBay. But first, I'm going to try to pick which one, see which one he picked off the wall based on the gap on the wall. Uh, I'm going to say it's a Wheel of Fortune game. I'm sorry, one more time? It's it's a Wheel of Fortune. Wheel! Wheel! Oh! Fortune! Junior edition! One, one, before well, you start your review, there is nothing that makes me happier than A... Saying Wheel of Fortune? Have, okay, we'll, we'll get to Exhibit C. But one of the <laughs> things that makes me happiest is the review. It, 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 it's it's giving, giving Joe a reason to keep collecting these things. I enjoy this bit. But when you nail it, when, when you from across the room, based on a space Well, it was between a Wheel of Fortune game and another Wheel of Fortune game. So <laughs> I kind of had a, a leg up on this one. Yeah, Wheel of Fortune Junior Edition. I don't know what to say about this game. It's, it's uh, you know, it's a kid's version of Wheel of Fortune. Which like it's like regular Wheel of Fortune, except you know it's not like um, you know title of movie and the answer is Body Heat. You like you know it's a little bit more <laughs> family friendly. Uh, it was all right. You know, it's a fun game. You know, these they churn out these Wheel of Fortune games like nonstop for every platform. Now you get it on your phones and. You know, I of course I have board games, and I would normally not recommend picking this up unless you are a completist or a completionist <clears throat> or a complete lunatic that wants to buy everything made to do with Wheel of Fortune. Um, so that's that. No, no. You say it's family friendly. Have first of all, have you played this version? Probably. Yeah, I think so. Have you played it with your family? No. Have you played it with a family? No. No. <laughs> No, this is a. Although I, I can't say that I haven't played Wheel of Fortune with my family because I have in a couple of iterations. Like played the Wii version of Wheel of Fortune not too long ago, actually, because it was just there and Rowan wanted to play. Um, he just wanted to spend some time with his dad, and the only way to reach me is through video games. Uh, that's another podcast altogether. But I'm going to say that this you could probably get this for two dollars. You can get it for four ninety nine, and I saw a separate bid on eBay. For just the box of it, which was going for five ninety nine. <laughs> so if you have just the box, worth more than the cartridge itself. Yeah, yeah. Everybody threw out the boxes when you were kids growing up. You're just like, wait, I don't need the box. I mean, I'm not an idiot. I'm not a maniac. I, I don't need paper. I need the game. Um, no, I enjoy these reviews. Now, uh, you got a parenting tip of the week before we call it a show? Uh, no. <laughs> no, unfortunately, I'm not a good parent. That's why I have no parenting tip. My parenting tip for uh, for my little soul suckers, it is the uh, first week of school. They start on Tuesday. And my parenting tip of the week is to, when you meet them at the bus stop and you get off, have some snack ready, like instantly. A little thing, not like a whole Milky Way, but like a bite-sized Is that one. Martha Stewart over there? I can't see so good. And and it's a couple of things. It, it gives them a... It gives them 
a good start to the afternoon, gives him a little ray of sunshine, and it uh, shuts him the fuck up the first few minutes off the bus mm. so you don't have to dive right into the real parenting thing. Stick it in their pie holes. So, right. It's like, so you can be a hero by giving them a treat and at the same time stopping a few extra minutes of yammering before you really have to, you know, become a parent for the rest of the day. So, right. so that, that, that's you're my, buying. You're basically buying two minutes of freedom. It, it, you know, uh, they can take my candy, but they'll never take our freedom. How that became a Braveheart thing. Speaking of anti-Semites. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Gee, I wonder if he voted for Trump. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so we have one more RIP for you to shout out. So let's end on a high note. Yeah. So this week, I think it was on Thursday, I, w- w- the world learned uh, of the passing of the actor and radio host, Jay Thomas. He died at uh, age 69 from uh, cancer. Uh, he w- didn't really make it public that he had cancer, but uh, uh, he played Eddie LeBeck on Cheers. He was on shows like Murphy Brown. Uh, he that, a- I remember more from Murphy Brown. Right. He won uh, He won Emmys right. for his guest appearances on Murphy Brown. And he was on Mork and Mindy. He w- and he's been a radio DJ ever since the 70s. That's sort of his be- his be- been his be- bread and butter. He actually got fired, or should I say killed off of Cheers because of comments he made on his radio show in Los Angeles. I guess somebody called in. I'm probably getting the story wrong. Somebody called in and said, yeah, you should probably get some hazard pay for having to kiss Rhea Perlman on the show because his character was married to Rhea Perlman's character. And he said something to the effect of, yeah, you know, you know, I just sort of grin and bear it, that kind of thing, not really disparaging the person's comments and just sort of going along with it. Uh... I don't think Rhea Perlman liked that so much, and I don't think the writers and uh, producers uh, could stand by that. So what did they do? They killed him off. How did they kill him off, Shock? I don't remember. He was run over by the slowest machine known to man. A Samboni? Yes. Oh, that's he was Because he was an ex-Bruin. That's right. Oh, huge. So they killed him, and um, yeah, so he... They, I, they use that in Deadpool, by the way. He, yeah, there's a scene in Deadpool yes. where Deadpool runs over a guy with a Samboni. Right, right. Spoiler alert! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I listened to him a lot on the Howard Stern channels. He had a Friday version of his regular show on Sirius XM for years. Uh, when Howard Stern joined the company back in 2006, they needed to fill some channels on his second channel, Channel 101, Howard 101. Um, and he, um, you know, he was on there uh, every Friday. First he did, like, the mornings, and then he did the afternoons. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, in, I, you know, I... Uh, I, I was a big fan of that uh, that show, the channel, the people on the channel, and uh, my heart goes out to those um, affected by his loss. Uh, you know, like there are tons, there's tons and tons of outpouring on Twitter and uh, and Facebook and social media from actors from all over who have worked with Jay Thomas, saying he was just like nothing but like a nice. He also had his famous Letterman bit, where yeah. he would uh, every year tell the big. Lone Ranger story uh, during the Christmas special show for Letterman since like the 90s. And then they would throw the meatball at the top of uh, the Christmas uh, tree. tree. Yeah. yeah, the quarterback challenge. Like he would like, they would take like the latest like hot quarterback or somebody, any court NFL quarterback, they would try to get to compete against Jay Thomas. And Jay Thomas would pretty much nail it almost every year. Like right. he'd be the first one to, be, to do it because he was an ex football player. I think he played for. Um, 
Did he play for Holy Cross? He was a Jesuit. So the Holy Cross, is that yep. Jesuit? Yeah, so I think he played for Holy Cross. I don't know. But, you know, rest in peace, Jay Thomas. This is a kind of a long, meandering... Um, no, no, I mean, it, it, you were a fan, but, you know, we, let's, you know, it's hard to not end on a down note, but we got, you know, Jay Thomas, Dick Gregory, and then, of course, truly, you know, uh, um, uh, Jerry Lewis, which, by the way, this week's sideshow will be about Jerry Lewis. Uh, you got POTUS looking at the sun, you know, banning trans, part, you know, partying a pile. You got Ellen going down for the week, you got Kraft giving, you know, Trump a ring. So, uh, Joe, a pretty fucking shitty week, but hey, at least we got to see future us. Yes. So much better looking. Right. Like, it's nice to know. That haircut really does a, a, a world of difference on you. Seriously, you, 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 you haven't aged. I like, know. honestly, oh. you, you don't look like you've aged today. Yeah, I could, <laughs> you, you, know. you really don't. Um, oh, so, so you know, so we're, we're going to end on one of the more upbeat Dan Cray songs just because, you know, um, Dan Cray... Wait, there's an upbeat Dan Cray song? No. <laughs> no, there, there's, a, there's a lot of it. But, uh, but you know, even his upbeat song sometimes has, like, the... Uh, Hey, where's that sharp knife that we have around here? Where's that razor blade? So we, we, we promise that next week... Things, things, things will get better because they fucking have to. Uh, and don't forget. Something.